Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode 28 of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo, he's Maurice Moten, and we have an action-packed show ready to come at you right now. We've got a ton of NFL football happenings going on with preseason winding down, a couple things in the world of Major League Baseball, the Olympics have finally ended, and uh, we've especially got something fun for you towards the end of the show. So Mo, hit us up, let us know what to expect, and here we go. Uh, As you said, NFL season is uh, very close, about two weeks away. Uh, some interesting news from the NBA outside of the, off the court, I should say, that we'll touch on. And of course, we're gonna we're just gonna wrap up the Olympics of the, the huge stories that came out of there. Some good, some bad. But I'm gonna take it back to the NFL preseason. Um, I don't know what to say. The preseason, people are freaking out over it, and I feel like it's an overreaction. People are already crowning Dak Prescott as the next Troy Aikman, and they're saying Jared Goff is like Brian Leaf, which I say is far from the truth we don't really know yet because i tell these people all the time preseason these coaches and coordinators they put out vanilla defenses and offenses you're not seeing exotic blitzes you're not seeing uh combination blocks and stuff like that players are just trying to get out of the preseason without getting hurt that's like the main thing just come out of it healthy and you're good i mean you had a scare with uh there's brian who had a concussion in practice Tony Romo, if you saw the game last night, had another back injury, he's and straight. Jerry Jones is in denial. He says he's fine. I don't know about that. But if you're, it depends on who you're following. That, that, that will indicate what the preseason means to you. If you're the Giants, for Victor Cruz, the preseason means a lot because he hasn't played a real game in, two, in nearly two years. So for him to just get out on the practice field, to get out in a preseason game, that's big for him. If you're a follower of the Raiders, and I have a lot of Raiders followers out there, they're panicking because they're saying Derek Carr does not look sharp. And I'm saying it's the preseason. I look back into my files, into the Mo files, and I can I can pick out a preseason game. I believe it was week two against the Minnesota Vikings where Derek Carr didn't look sharp, and people freaked out. What happened? Derek Carr had a great season. So it just it doesn't have any bearing because, again, coaches are just looking for players just to come out of the game healthy. Just come out of the game in one piece, no injuries, no back injuries, no nicks. No ACLs, no Achilles injuries, and we're good. If you're if you're a team that's that's playing a lot of rookies, I say if you're if you're the Titans and you drafted ten rookies and you want you want Derrick Henry to get off to a good start, that's important. The three things I tell people to look out for in the preseason are number one, penalties. Whether it's preseason or not, you don't want sloppy play, especially from your offensive line. Number two, drop passes. You don't want drop passes, of course, in any type of game. Your wide receiver should be willing to, should be able to catch a pass, whether it's practice, preseason, or the regular season. Number three, you want your running back to have vision. That means he's not choosing the wrong running lanes to run through. And at, this is my criticism of Latavius Murray of the Raiders, that one thing you have to worry about if you're a Raiders fan is Latavius Murray hasn't looked really sharp. And there's been criticisms about him leading up to his starting position last year that he's not a number one running back. So fantasy alerts for you fantasy footballers out there. Latavius Murray is not a is not an RB number one. I'm telling you that as a person who followed the Raiders last year, yes, he had over a thousand yards rushing last year, but he had, I believe, the third most rush attempts in the league. And he's not gonna get that because the Raiders drafted another or another running back in the fifth round. So his rush attempts are gonna drop, which means his production is gonna drop. He's not an RB number one. Stay away from Latavius Murray. Just a quick warning. But to put a bow on this preseason talk, 
chill out, okay? Just take a chill pill, right? We, I understand Dak Prescott looks great. Is he going to take over for Tony Romo next, uh, this year? I don't think so. Tony, It's his position. It's Tony Romo's position until he has another back injury. But Dak Prescott is encouraging that he looks good, but he is not. I repeat, he is not Trey Aikman. He is not John Elway. He is not the next Peyton Manning. Let's calm down. Take a deep breath. It's just preseason, Mike. Woo-sa. Woo-sa, <laughs> people. And, uh, hey, Mo, did you see that there was actually a preseason game in Orlando, Florida last night? Uh, no, I really didn't. Wow. It was, it was wow. um, playing. Well, I didn't watch it, but I did see that it was the Dolphins and the Falcons. And it was just funny because on the first drive of the game, Miami's looking good, steadily going down the field until Ryan Tannehill gets picked. So for you Dolphin fans, you've got a lot more of that coming your way this season. Miko Grimes is definitely laughing behind her computer right now. She saw that. She said, I told you so. I told yeah. you he was a bum. I told you. I feel, I feel bad for him. No, I don't. His wife is beautiful and he has a lot of money. Anyway, that's the end of the cold open. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk some more NFL. Open mic. Well, there has been a lot going on in the Joey Bosa saga is what it has now been called because the other day the San Diego Chargers went psycho ex-girlfriend and posted all of Joey Bosa's dirty laundry on the internet for all the world to see and now his camp is coming back and calling the Chargers out for being you know itty bitty little girls and it's it's just getting ugly but the one thing that stands out Mo is the fact that the San Diego Chargers has seemed to be a very awkward poorly ran organization now this is not the first time that we've seen the chargers dean spanos own go up against uh, a person that they've drafted very high or or a, a player that they've had on on their roster for for a number of years like an eric weddle type that they come out to some kind of huge contract disagreement so what is going on is this going to get settled and why do the chargers not really have any kind of loyalty towards the players that earn them a lot of money I feel like the Chargers need a player relations department. They don't do well with their with their young players. You briefly touched on it. Uh, Latomla, Damian Tomlinson had a contract dispute way back in his heyday. Uh, they threatened to reduce Philip Rivers' offer when he was traded for Eli Manning. Because as you remember, Manning avoided the organization. His dad said, well, you draft him. He's not going to play there. And you briefly touched on Eric Weddle. He went to go see his daughter perform in, I believe, a halftime show. And then the Chargers made a big stink about it. And it led to him going into free agency. And now he's with the Baltimore Ravens. So that pretty much ended his tenure with San Diego. They dumped Rodney Harrison, who we all know turned out to be a, uh, still a great player with the New England Patriots after his beginning seasons with the Chargers. So there's a lot of things going on with that organization that they don't really handle contract negotiations. They're not really playing fair at the negotiating table with Bosa, according to some people. What I find interesting is that players like Tomlinson, who know how this organization does business, taking the side of of the organization over the player. And to me, as a person who's not an owner of a, of a company, I tend to side with the worker. And I don't get players who side with the other side. People like Antonio Gates and Tomlinson who say, it's a bad look for Bosa, he should report. And I, yes, it is a bad look for Bosa because it makes him look money hungry. 
But you have to understand, you want to be well compensated for what you're doing. These players, as we spoke in previous podcasts, put their bodies on the line. This is their livelihood. They're putting, they're putting sometimes, I don't want to say life because no one's died recently on the field, but it leads to other issues later on in life that could end your life early, or I should say premature. But with the Chargers, it, it, it just seems like an ongoing pattern with them, and, and I followed up on your question last episode. Bosa could re-enter the 2017 draft, and the Chargers would get absolutely nothing if that happened. So I believe yeah. a deal gets done soon, but there's going to have to be a lot of mending fences once he gets in into the locker room. I just want to know exactly what he wants. At the end of the day, I mean, it, this is ugly. And unfortunately for, for Bosa, he's not going to get a better deal than what the Chargers have already offered him. Now, we've seen that this whole thing is about offset language and how some players get it and some don't. So last year, Jameis Winston didn't get any offset language in his contract. So he got his entire salary. He got his entire signing bonus. And if he gets cut, he gets everything. So this year, the Chargers put that offset language in the contract. And basically what it means is that he's only going to have to – he's only going to get held 15% of his his signing bonus. Whereas uh, Ezekiel Elliott got 40% held of his signing bonus by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it also means that basically at the contract right now that the Chargers have offered uh, this young man who hasn't played, hasn't done anything on an NFL, NFL field yet, he's going to be over as paid as richly as – three of the last four first overall picks in the past four years of the NFL draft, which if my if my memory is correct, it was all quarterbacks. Everybody there was was very handsomely paid. He, and this guy is, is a whatever you want to call him, a hybrid combo defensive end linebacker. And he was a third pick. So I just really want to know how much money is it going to take to get you in camp? And really, you think, OK, so you say that it's going to get done, which it probably will. Because I don't, I don't know if that the Chargers are really can let this guy sit out a whole year and it's not, get nothing for him. But he's according to everybody in the NFL that I didn't even know this. His grandfather and father also played in the NFL and did the same exact thing. Obviously, times are different, money is different, but they also held out and missed start of the year. So for whatever reason, uh, the Bosa family feels a certain way. His mother even came out, and again, here we go with the moms. His mom said we should have pulled an Eli. We. Okay, I understand it's your baby, it's your son, you're going to want to protect him, but it's, it, to a certain extent, it is not a good look. And, you know, I didn't agree with what the Chargers did when they came out and aired all the dirty laundry, but then it comes out and, and you just need to know exactly what Wentz wants, or excuse me, what what my man Bosa wants out of this deal. Obviously, he wants to get paid. He wants to get, he wants all of his money, he wants it all guaranteed. But you're not a quarterback. You're not, you're not a centralized figure. You're not a guy that's going to basically win your team a Super Bowl hands down. You know, you're not J.J. Watt. So, and even J.J. Watt, will he win his team a Super Bowl on his own? No, probably not. So what exactly is going to make this man get into camp? Uh, $24 million guaranteed like Jameis Winston? I don't know. It's all a matter of the offsetting study language. I think he wants himself covered because he doesn't want a situation where, let's say, two years into his deal or a year and a half into his deal, he gets hurt. And the charges say, well, we're just going to discard you. Because remember, when you're a worker, right, you're, you're, dispos- you're a disposable asset. You know, a company can get rid of you at the snap of their fingers. They don't, they, there's no loyalty there. So I think he, he's worried about his security purposes because he knows that at any snap, his knee could, could snap in half, his ankle, his Achilles, whatever it is, that could end his season. 
So he just wants to make sure that he's he's compensated, even if he endures a huge or a major injury that you know the Chargers can't just cut him and he doesn't get anything. I, just think about all that hard work he's put in to become the number three pick or a top five pick, and it all ends with one snap, and then all the money's gone, and then that's it, and you, you're kicking yourself because you didn't cover yourself or or fight the offset language. Now again, like I said, as a worker, I. What do we say as workers? All workers say the same thing. We work too hard and we're underpaid, right? So when you can get your security, when you can get guaranteed money and, and still have something to cover you after an injury, you want that. So I understand Bosa. I also understand how it doesn't look good. It makes him look money hungry. But we also have to understand this. And now I, I'm going to say this as a preface. I don't know Bosa personally. But what I will tell you is that not every NFL player loves football. Some players just say, hey, if I can make a couple of mil, a couple hundred thousand on this job, I'm fine. I don't, I don't have to be the greatest NFL player. I don't have to be the greatest quarterback, linebacker, defensive player. I just want to check to support my family. And as you know, a lot of people play the sport to get out of poverty, to get out of a bad situation. Now, again, I don't know Bosa. It seems like his family does pretty well. When I looked at his, the jobs of his mom and you said his, he has a family history of NFL players, that may not be a situation for him. But I'm just saying, look at it from the standpoint that before you call him money hungry, think about when you go to a job interview, when you're looking at jobs, when you're trying to put yourself out there to make a living, you're worried about the cash too. It's not like, yeah, you you tell the interviewers, yeah, this is what I love to do, but you also want to be compensated for it and you want to be covered just in case something happens. Just an insurance policy. I just hope for Joey Bosa's sake that he comes in the league eventually and lights it up because if not, there is going to be so much pressure on this guy. I mean, look at Jadavian Clowney. I mean, he still hasn't lived up, and it's a little different because obviously he has the injury bug, but he came in with all of that pressure on him. Didn't didn't hold out, but he has yet to live up to, to his expectations. So now you have Joey Bosa, who was a knucklehead at Ohio State, a lot of off-field issues, a lot of things that he may or may not have done that you know could have seen him kicked out of a, a program not run by Urban Meyer. So now he's got this other situation you know, basically over his head, and if, and if something doesn't get done soon, he's just completely you know lost an entire rookie year. And again, he's already put himself behind the eight ball by missing all of training camp. So even if he's ready to go and he's practicing with whomever it might be outside of, of you know the team-controlled atmosphere, he's still not going to be game-ready. So when do we see this guy? Week six? Week eight? By then, the Chargers could be long out of it. I mean, there's just... It's, I get the fact that he's looking out for a number one, and that's the same thing that honestly that the, that the organization is doing. But guys, we got to come to some kind of understanding. Otherwise, you know what? I could very well see Bosa sitting out all year and saying, "I'll go be the third overall pick again next year in the draft." You know, behind Leonard Ferret and Christian McCaffrey or whoever it might fold out to be. But man, it's just it's. I did not think that we'd still be talking about this about about what little less than two weeks from the start of, of opening day. It's crazy to me. It really is. The thing with Bosa is, even if he reports, let's say he and the Chargers come to an agreement right before the regular season after the fourth preseason game. The, his rookie year is still going to be pretty much moot because, yeah. as you said, he missed all the training camp, missed preseason. He's got to get in football shape. Then he, And he's a rookie, and he plays defensive lineman in a, in a position that he hasn't played in college. So that learning curve is going to be there for him. So his rookie year is pretty much out of the window at this point, regardless if he signs or not. He's going to be ineffective even if he gets on the field. This is my opinion. Yeah. 
But it, I again, but I understand. I understand it because look, if, if we're we're on here talking on 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 this podcast, if we get an offer and the person says, "Hey, we're gonna offer you this contract," but we're gonna offset the language so that if you guys have a bad show, we can release you guys that next day. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, since you guys want to offset the language and you can release us at any time, let me get all my signing bonus money first. Okay, that that's all both the same. It's either one or the other. Don't have to give me both. Just give me one or the other. We're not going to let you have all the chips. Just give me some of the chips. It's just crazy because the charges were not supposed to take him. He, well, you know, at at that spot at three, he was not the pick. Everybody thought the charges were going elsewhere, either Jalen Ramsey or Laramie Tunsil or whomever it was going to be. Yeah, and that's the thing. Right now, the smart thing would be is just to cut your your losses with, with Bosa and trade him. But the thing is, what other NFL team, knowing exactly what we know now, is going to take a chance on him? I don't, yeah. I don't know. He could he be traded before what? What is it? Week four, week three in the NFL when the trading deadline, which by the way I think is way too early. Uh, could he be traded? Yeah, maybe a team that really needs him. I mean, uh, Bartavis, Barcavis, Mingo just got traded. A former number six pick from the Browns was traded to the Patriots. So it, we do see that some trades happen, but. I just don't know who's going to take a risk. Jerry Jones? Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if it's... But who's going to give up a first-round pick for this guy who uh, is just, you know, doing all the things kind of convoluted at this time? But let's stay in the NF- NFC West, and let's look at a team that also has a little bit of a quarterback quandary. And, you know, no, I'm not talking about those charges, not talking about the Chiefs, and I'm not talking about the Raiders. So that leaves John Elway's Broncos. Reports are that... Trevor Simeon could be the quarterback. Mark Sanchez now looks almost to be third on the depth chart. He's in risk of actually getting cut from the team. So the best quarterback who has looked best this entire preseason is rookie Paxton Lynch, who everybody going into the preseason said, there's no way in hell this guy starts a game. Well, that could change, and that could change in a hurry. So, Mo, is it crazy to think that this guy with, you know, very little experience uh, coming from a school like Memphis, could he really be the starting quarterback for the defending Super Bowl champs? Your boy, John Elway, is out of <laughs> his mind. You just, Number one, <laughs> and someone else ran this down. Number one, they lost out on Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Fine. They didn't want to give him a lot of money. The Texans were willing to back up the money truck for him. Fine. Okay. They passed up a deal to get Colin Kaepernick. Okay? Because Colin Kaepernick wanted out of San Francisco. He probably still does. They passed on that. They didn't try to get Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year as a bridge gap when Ryan Fitzpatrick sat out. was Not sat out, but when he was in hiding with his beard in New Jersey somewhere. Hey. The Jets. And, and RG3 was out there. And the Browns went up getting him. And he's playing well during the preseason. Then they sign Mark Sanchez to say, okay, he's going to be the bridge gap to Paxton Lynch eventually. Then we get into preseason, and Gary Kubiak, who I thought was blowing a smokescreen in front of everyone, said, well, Trevor Simeon has a chance. Trevor Simeon, who's taken one snap in his rookie year last year, hasn't taken a regular season snap or thrown, I should say, thrown a pass. You're going to start Trevor Simeon over Mark Sanchez, who at least... Yes, Mark Sanchez has a lot of flaws, but at least we, you know what you're getting. He has some mobility. He's very good on the bootleg. He, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty accurate. He throws some interceptions, yes, he, but he, he has some touchdown passes to match that. It's pretty much 50-50. But I'd rather have that over Trevor Simeon, who's pretty much a rookie in this league because he didn't, he didn't take a real snap in his rookie year. So then you have Paxton Lynch. If you're going to turn it over to Trevor Simeon, 
and his second year, you might as well just give it off to Paxton Lynch right now. Yeah. Because you already know that Paxton Lynch is your future. Why would you bring in a second a second year quarterback who's going to be a one year bridge gap to another rookie? It just doesn't make sense. You start the veteran now. If Mark Sanchez stinks it up, then you pull him for Paxton Lynch. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I mean, look, Lynch looked really good. He was uh, fifteen for twenty six, hundred and thirteen yards through a uh, through what two touchdowns against the Niners last week in the preseason. Uh, I think he's uh, a younger exact prototype of Brock Osweiler who they didn't want to pay so you got this guy put him in it's a new wave of, of NFL quarterbacks guys don't sit anymore you know or if they do it's maybe three or four games once a team kind of goes down the drain they put in the kid you know but again is is John Elway willing to do that with the reigning Super Bowl champ I don't know the smart money is to just put Sanchez in but we've already seen Sanchez blow many an opportunity with the Jets and with the Eagles. Uh, Simeon, the only thing he's got going for me is that he played high school ball in Orlando. Besides from that, I, I don't know the guy. Uh, he had an ACL injury at Northwestern. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's the next Tony Romo. Maybe he's the next guy to come out of nowhere and lead a team. Uh, but, again, it's like you said in the opening segment, it's preseason. So uh, it's, if, if your quarterback of the future is your first-round pick, Paxton Lynch, then yeah, then just go for it and hope for the best. And besides, this team is a defense, uh, run, defense and then run. Quarterback is last. That's exactly what they did last year with Peyton Manning. So you, now you got a little bit, or a lot more of an athletic quarterback. And you know, yes, they did lose some pieces on the defensive side of the ball. But again, it's not that big, it's not that big of a risk. It's actually more of a risk to start Trevor Simeon or even Mark Sanchez because we know Sanchez gets back there, gets happy feet, and starts throwing the ball all around the field, and it's pick six day. So that I think would be something that I would try to avoid at all costs. See, the thing is, it, and I'm usually on the side of hey, let the young kids sit for a year or two and let the veteran play. If you're a team that's at the bottom of the division. But Denver is just coming off of a Super Bowl. You want to keep that momentum going while you have still a, a respectable defense in place. Yes, they lost Danny Trevathan, they lost Malik Jackson in the offseason, but they have guys on the defensive line who can fill in for the sack in the sacks department. So you still have a Denver t- a Denver defense that can still take you to at least the playoffs with a with a decent quarterback. If you can get there with Ramen Noodle last year, you can get there with Mark Sanchez throwing a couple of pick six, sixes in between. Now again, if you're gonna start Simeon who's not the solution there future for the future, then you might as well just go with your first-round pick and Paxton Lynch, let him take his lumps, and he'll eventually grow from there. But your boy John Elway, he's definitely fumbled this quarterback situation. Yeah. If he starts Trevor Simeon and he becomes the next Tom Brady, I will apologize to him on air, but I don't see that in him. No, we don't. But you know what else I don't want to see? I don't want to see crop tops. And I don't want to see crop tops at a medical dispensary in Washington State trying to get high, especially... When you're supposed to be playing an NFL game or you just did play an NFL game, albeit a preseason game, and you looked really good because that is where we find another Ohio State University player looking bad, looking like a chump and wearing a crop top. So, Mo, tell us what's going on with your boy Zeke Elliott. So TMZ Sports caught Mr. Zeke at a marijuana dispensary in Seattle before his preseason debut. Now, Ezekiel Elliott had a very good debut. He ran, he had seven carries for 48 yards, which is a shade under seven yards per carry, which is great. Even Seattle Seahawks safety Cam Chancellor said he was surprised with the way Elliott ran the football, and he was impressive. But, but we all know that football is also a game off the field. You got to make good decisions off the field, and you know how suspension happy Roger Goodell is these days. 
and you're at a marijuana dispenser before your preseason debut. And, I mean, even Jerry Jones wasn't happy with this. If Jerry Jones is not happy with what you're doing off the field, then you've got a problem. This is the same guy that brought in Greg Hardy, that brought in Orlando McLean, that drafted Randy Gregory in the first round despite all his issues, and he's saying it's not a good look for Ezekiel Elliott at a marijuana dispenser in Seattle. That's a big problem. So, Elliot, you are a high-profile person. You cannot just walk around anywhere and not expect backlash online in the papers. You got to be careful what you do. You know how heavy-handed the NFL is against marijuana use. Even if you were just there buying it for your boy or whoever it was, you got to you got to understand your profile in this situation. You you are a first-round pick. You are a top-five pick. You cannot be at a marijuana dispenser before your preseason debut, and then speculation is going to fly. I'm sure NFL officials are over there drug testing him right now as we speak. Yep. So uh, he he could have a good season, but he needs to be careful with his whereabouts off the field or what he does off the field because you don't want any black clouds around you. Dallas already has a poor reputation right now. You don't need to make it any worse than what it is. Like, do we really need another Le'Veon Bell situation? Like, there's not enough three-down backs in the NFL for this to be happening, especially for your fantasy team. Although, I don't know if Mo will agree with me, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott should be a first-round pick just yet. Um, I think it's a little high for a guy that we haven't seen, you know, much of. Uh, it's just, it's, it's tough. It really is. It's, it's a bad situation. I, I'd like to know who is a shadier college program. Is it Ohio State or is it Alabama? Because between Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, these guys are not coming out of school better citizens than when they went in. I, I just I, it's all about football clearly and for and for whatever the reason they get they get away with what they do in college and and it's getting covered up uh, because they bring in a lot of money to the school and I, I really I feel bad because these young men are not being not being set forth in the world really ready for the 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 obstacles that are in front of them whether it's financially uh, emotionally they're just they're just not ready to be adults uh these are just this is simple these are not these are, you shouldn't even like have to tell somebody hey man i know you're in a state that has legalized marijuana but you can't go smoke even if you didn't smoke you can't be seen at a dispensary you like yeah. how does that not register with you you're an nfl player if i smoke weed i will get suspended like um duh like really <laughs> And the thing is, make no mistake, I'm not saying Elliot did a terrible thing and he, he shouldn't have his freedoms. You know, people are saying, well, what is he, a slave? He can't go here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be mindful of what you're doing. Obviously, even even if the marijuana wasn't for Elliot, he has to understand someone else in his crew, I'm sure he has friends, someone else go in there and get the marijuana. Not Elliot. Just someone, just have anybody else. Just go in there and just purchase it. If he wanted to just check it out because he's never been to a legal marijuana dispenser before, you know, kind of do it with, like, at least have a get-up. Pull a Johnny Menzel. Put a wig <laughs> on and a mustache or something or do something or or make a comment that, you know, it's all good. I'm, not, I'm just in here sightseeing. Make a statement or something. But you can't just walk up in there and say, yeah, I'm Ezekiel Elliott. Now I'm at a legal marijuana dispenser in Seattle just chilling. Can't, can't do that. Not now. Not as a Dallas Cowboys running back, not as a top five overall pick. Speaking of high profiles, low profiles, and catfish, uh, <laughs> Texas Tech uh, head coach, I think his, I believe his name is Pillsbury, is actually advocating for social media accounts, fake social media accounts with cute girls to kind of monitor his players at Texas Tech. Now, he basically said, he laughed this off as a joke, but uh, it's pretty serious nowadays because... College players have to deal with as much scrutiny as NFL players, which is crazy because not all these kids want to go pro, and these kids are 18 to 21 years old. Yes, I can say kids because I'm 30. 
But these these social these uh, social media accounts and social media in general is just getting a lot of college collegiate athletes in trouble. Whether it's what they do on their social media, aka Larry Laramie Tunzel, who was actually he didn't post that, but someone else posted it, or is what I guess what they say to other people in response to the backlash after a bad game. It happens, yes. But the Texas Tech head coach is, is basically saying, you know what, we're, we're going to pose as cute girls online to monitor our players, and I say that's a good thing. Now, for Mike response, I will say this. Just an open announcement to all collegiate football players, all collegiate athletes. Here is Mo's social media catfish <laughs> litmus test, okay? okay. I'm just going to school you guys real quick because I'm, I'm an expert at this, okay? Oh, okay. All right. If you get a friend request from a female who has one photo, She's probably a catfish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one gets online with one photo. True. Uh, number two, if the person has no posts within the last two weeks or months and all of a sudden they just hit you with a friend request, you might want to check that out. It sounds fishy. It's probably a catfish. Yep. Number three, if a person has less than 30 friends or 5,000 friends and is not a celebrity, it's probably a catfish. Definitely. No one, I mean, if you're if you if you're an average person and you have 5,000 friends, that usually means... You're out just happy clicking, clicking on anyone to, to have a social media friendship, which is risky and dangerous, but that's a whole different show. If you have less than 30 friends and you have this beautiful picture, you don't think a lot of people are requesting this person to be their friend and they only have 30, that's a problem. I will tell you this. Ask for a quick FaceTime moment if you have an Apple phone, if you have an iPhone. If you, if you have a Droid, you, it sucks, but probably you're going to need to have something where you can see the person at an immediate moment, okay? Because... There's a lot of catfishing going on, a lot of people sending nudes of other people. Be careful on social media collegiate athletes. That's most social media catfish litmus test for you. Man, man, Titeo could have used that course a couple of years ago while at Notre Dame, <laughs> man, because so many people slide in those DMs right now. So, I mean, I think this is great. I, I mean, it's super shady. Don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously for a school or a coach to admit that he's has fake uh, cute girl profiles on Twitter just to monitor his players, it's a little creepy. But you know what? We just talked about how a school or schools do nothing to help their men. Well, this is a guy at least trying to do something in the right direction, okay? First of all, the guy, King, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, used to play at Texas Tech, uh, had, a, had a great uh, collegiate career, didn't go much further, but he looks like Ryan Gosling, so he's got that going for him, okay? Secondly, he had a huge, he had a good quote. He spoke to uh, former NFL player A.J. Hawk, who actually went to the Ohio State University, and he said to him, speaking of Hawk, if you or I played a game in college, they, meaning these kids, may put a little article in the newspaper or you hear about it from a local radio station. But these poor guys, uh, if they play a poor game, they get attacked on social media. So what I like about this is not only are we keeping track of uh, the players, are they talking, you know, trying to get with this, trying to do that, trying to score, whatever. They're also keeping track of the trolls, they're keeping track of how their players respond to the trolls. And, and which is, again, it's, a, it's something that you're, you're grooming these guys for, that if they do get to the next level, you can't freak out and and backlash and go crazy on a media member or you can't respond to anybody because everybody has an opinion and on the on the web you're fair game as as mo and i know as sports writers so i i like i like what what is his name cliff kingsbury is doing i think it's a good idea it's a little underhanded a little weird but you know what at the end of the day he's there to protect his players and if the players learn that you know there's certain do's and don'ts of the internet along the way which 21st century is what it is then i'm all for it you know hey little shadiness here could save them a lot of trouble in the future i mean hey i mean 
it, it's kind of not underhanded and shady because he's out there saying, hey, look, I'm watching you guys. So I'm sure, yeah. it, you know, any kid could read the story and say, okay, I know my coach, Clay Kingsbury, is out there watching me on social media. I have to be careful. The annoying part is now, if you add a female online and you, and you play for Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, and you're like, is this a real profile or is this Cliff, you know, pranking me? What is this? I need to see this girl in person. So it helps you avoid the Manti Teo situation, which you made light of recently. I'm glad Manti Teo's gotten over that. But with social media, on a serious note, you just as you said, you got to be really careful. We as writers know this, that you just can't fly off at the handle at all your commenters because they criticize you, whether it's fair or not, because your employers are watching. Now, I know these kids aren't employed, but they are, they are representing a school. So you want to be careful for how you represent the school on and off the field. But I, I think it's pretty cool. I would do the same thing. I should maybe create a bunch of profiles of of pretty women and just kind of troll my writers to see how they would react to it and, you know, pass or fail them based on that. But that's a whole different uh, episode, a whole different story there. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff for a young coach like, you know, Kingsbury who's got, you know, dreams of coaching bigger programs than Texas Tech. These are the type of things that if you can add that to a couple winning seasons will eventually get him those high-profile jobs, you know, those Texas jobs, those Notre Dames if they become available, USC, or who knows, maybe the NFL. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a – forward-thinking movement i like it i'm all for it and you know what if it keeps the kids in check while they can so they can get their education and play on saturdays i'm all for it but that's it we'll be right back with building momentum it's now time for building momentum well just the other day was kobe day in the city of Los Angeles, my former home, and uh, it's funny, you know, it was obviously it was 824, and, and if you can't remember why it was 824, it's because he wore 8, and then he wore 24, and people were, a couple people I was speaking to were kind of like, oh man, but his birthday was the 23rd, and Mo had a great uh, point online, they're like, we don't care that it was his birthday, it, it was whatever was going to make more money, and that was because his jersey numbers were exactly what they were. So, uh, would have been would have been great if, if, you know, maybe they had done it on his birthday, but it, that obviously wasn't so important. But, but he is in the news, Kobe is doing big things. Mo, tell us why he's going to buy the Mike and Mo show and uh, make us famous. <laughs> Basically, Kobe is investing $100 million, 100 million big Ooh. ones in a media technology and data fund which is outside of his room, as you all know. And he's he's investing out there. And, he, you know, Kobe is not a tech guru, you know, but you got you to gotta respect that he's done with his basketball career. So he's trying to venture into something, I guess, totally different because he obviously cannot play basketball anymore. So a lot of players after their career and during their career invest in companies and what have you. But he's smart in investing in the tech company because, as you all know, tech is the big enterprise. Tech is the big major right now. If you're going to school and you want to make some money and you're not necessarily into, I guess, you don't know what you want to do, maybe you're a, you're a liberal arts major, you want to get into tech because that's always going to, that's a field that's going to grow onward. I mean, it's only going to get bigger and bigger from here. Now, it's a smart investment, uh, but what I will say before Mike gets, I guess, into the finer details one thing I tied this to was how do we equate this to a player who goes outside of his sport to, I guess, like a Tim Tebow, who was a football player now trying out baseball, or athletes who retire and take journalism jobs. Now, people bashed Tim Tebow and said he shouldn't go into baseball because he's disrespecting baseball players who come up through the minor leagues. Why does Tim Tebow go and why should he go and get a chance at playing baseball and get all these tryouts? And I say this. I say, well... 
what do we say about, again, what do we say about athletes who retire and take journalism jobs? You spent, I don't know, four, six, eight years in college, and now you got some retired athlete who may not be as good as you on the mic take a journalism job after you worked hard for it, spent all these dollars for it. Kobe Bryant now going into the tech industry. He's, he, I don't know if he took technology when he was in school, but he's trying He's trying it out. So what I will say is that certain times when, you, when you're going through a transition, you may not have one aspect of of the field of duty, but you may have another aspect. Athletes are, are have they, they have a lot of insight on the game, but again, they may not be good at fleshing through with their points on TV in the media. Journalists, you know, obviously they didn't play the game, but they had the proper school training. Back to Kobe, he's not a tech guru, but he has the financial capital. Again, $100 million invested. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Person he invested with or his people, his crew around said he just didn't want to add his name to something. He actually wanted something more... I guess more hands-on. So I say kudos to Kobe for that. Yeah, I mean, money leads to money. And, you know, uh, very fortunate. He's, he has a plan. And mo- a lot of guys, when they retire, are kind of lost along the way. But Kobe, he's an entrepreneur. I mean, he's made millions and millions from Nike. He owns his own uh, entertainment company in Orlando, uh, excuse me, in, uh, in California that's going to be producing and has been producing television and motion pictures. And according to what he said to CNBC, he said, this is one of my passions. You know, he says, uh, we are one gear, 100% laser focused, and here we go. He is partnered with uh, Jeff Steibel, who is a longtime entrepreneur and investor who was introduced to Kobe by a mutual friend. Uh, they've actually already invested in 13 companies, including the Players' Tribune, which was started by Derek Jeter, uh, video game companies and designers Scopely and LegalZoom. So they're putting their money in places that have a little bit of a track record, which is smart. You want to you want to recoup some of that initial investment. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they're putting their money in a couple things that are, you know, a gamble because that's what business is all about. But it's stuff that probably will make them money hand over fist. Uh, and it's funny because they didn't, Brian Steibel invested their own $100 million, an entire, without seeking anybody else's money. So this is all theirs. It, you know, it, if this goes well, like when Mel Gibson invested $100 million in The Passion of the Christ years ago, nobody else would invest. He made like almost a billion dollars because it was all his. But it, it's a risk. But it, it's a smart risk because it's Kobe Bryant. And even if he is just the puppet and he has nothing to do with it, it's still gonna. People are still gonna take meetings. They're still gonna wanna know. Oh, tell me more because Kobe's involved. And and Stiebel said, you know, we didn't do this for people to use Kobe as uh, as the figurehead of their company. No, it's not about that. Kobe is going to be hands on. So it'll be great to see. So Kobe, call me, babe. Tell us what we we're, Mike and Mo want to be in the Kobe Bryant business. Okay, we will be all that we can be with Kobe. You know what I'm saying? You know, Kobe, you don't have to invest a hundred mil in the Mikey Mo show. No, Just a mil. One a, mil. One mil is good. Half a mil will we'll, we'll make it work. I'll take a hundred dollars right about now. A hundred dollars. I'll do whatever you... No, I won't say that. But good for Kobe. Good for the city of Los Angeles. And someone let him listen to this podcast. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully he, he enjoys it because I haven't bashed Kobe. I, again, I took his side when he wrote his letter to his younger self. I took his side on that one. Mike is obviously... From, uh, not from LA, but he's lived in. He's lived in LA, and obviously he loves Kobe Bryant. Yes, so I, do. uh, I don't see why Kobe would have a problem with the podcast. Again, mm-hmm. if you want to donate or just invest a couple of mil, we're here on the Mike and Mo Show for you, Kobe Bryant. Open arms. You the man. I had I had your I had your Memphis. What's well, not Memphis? Minneapolis Laker jersey. I had your throwback eight. I had your two four. I had your shooting jersey, Kobe. I stood by you through the hard times, the good times. I had your shoes. I love you, man. <laughs> 
I love you, man. Anyway, speaking of love and loyalty, <laughs> Joanna Cespedes is showing pretty much uh, verbal loyalty to the Mets. He could opt out after this year. But when asked, he said he plans to play for the Mets. Uh, he signed a three-year, $75 million deal. As you know, he propelled the Mets to the World Series last year with his bat. He's still, he's still pretty uh, effective. He, he's second in hits on the team with 104. Also leads the team in home runs with 25 and RBIs with 64. Now, I don't know about Mike, but a lot of people are saying that an extra $50 million of guaranteed money could change his mind. Oh, now, yeah. as a Met fan... Hopefully not, but again, we'll see. It's it's kind of a in-the-process in thing we have to monitor, and if he changes his mind, I can understand it. 50 mil is a lot of money. If he stays, it's a good look for the Mets, of course. I just don't get why he would say what he said. The Mets are not playing very well. They're not going to make the playoffs. Be nice. More than Be nice. I, mean, I am, I am. More than likely, they're, they need, and I said this a couple weeks ago, they need uh, a change in managerial uh but, you know, they need a new manager there. Terry Collins has lost the faith of the team. I mean, and if you don't believe me, you listen to what Noah Syndergaard said the other day when he was pitching. He was, what I forget the game, but he was going eight strong innings. They were up, and Collins said to him, I'm going to put you out there in the ninth. And Syndergaard came out and said, no, it's too late. This season's over. I'm not going to blow up my arm. So that's pretty big. Uh, the Mets did win that game, but... Uh, yeah, for as far as Cespedes is concerned, uh, he's only 30, but this is this is his final huge contract, okay? I'm talking 120, 150 million dollars. And he could get that on the open market. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of teams that would love his bat. Toronto could be losing Encarnacion and Batista. The Orioles need to re-sign Mark Trumbo, who's leading the world in home runs this year. So they could be, and they were actually interested in him last year. Um, he could re-sign with the Mets, which I don't that's why. I would opt out just to opt out. I mean, that's the thing we do. But now, if you say that you're going to stay and you want to be a man of your word and then you opt out, oh, man, like, you can forget about going back to the Mets. I mean, you want to stay in New York, maybe you go across town. But but by doing so, you've kind of just set yourself up for failure because you're, you're, you're allowed to change your mind. But but if you do change your mind after you've come out and said, no, no, I'm going to stay, I love being a Met, then what? Or then he's unless, unless he's gonna say, well, no, I love Terry Collins. If Terry Collins gets fired, I'm I'm leaving too. So, uh, you just put yourself behind the eight ball, and that that's what it's all about. Is you know what? Just just wait, Hold, pump the brakes. The season's not over. You know the Mets aren't totally out of it yet. So nope. you know why come out and, and and put all this undue pressure on yourself? He's having a nice year, not having the year he had last year. Maybe maybe he thinks he you know the, the best he had was behind him. I don't know. I'm not suspicious, but all I know is if you stick around two more years. At 32, you'll get a contract, but nobody in their right mind, their right mind, is going to give a 32-year-old who now, you know, with this year playing center field, had a lot of injuries. Uh, now he's back and left. Hopefully that's that's past him. Nobody's going to give him that type of money. Maybe he gets a 70, 80 million dollar deal. Maybe he goes to the American League and, and acts as a DH. But uh, yeah, I, I I just I, I don't quite get it. But you know, I, I love his play. He's exciting to watch, and hopefully, you know, it works out for all parties involved. Mike, I get it. It's all about loyalty. Maybe he yeah. likes City Field. I mean, sure. think about, I mean, we have always players chasing the money. Maybe his values are different. And again, if he stays for the Met, stays with the Mets, all power to him. Apparently, Sandy Alderson said that uh, Terry Collins' job is not in jeopardy. Yeah, right. Again, I wouldn't quote that because we all know the seasons change as the season goes on. Yeah. As you said, the Mets are not totally out of it. But, uh, again, it's it's a wait-in-progress, wait-and-see type of thing. I remember a week ago where it seemed like the Mets uh, clubhouse was just going to implode with all the things, plus the losing. 
So we'll see what happens. But I hate to segue into a sadder, more sobering story. Uh, if any of you have heard or read the papers, Daryl Strawberry basically called out Dwight Gooden and said basically he's a junkie. And if you've been exposed to anyone with an addiction problem, the first sign of addiction is denial. Basically saying, I, I don't have a problem. And if you watch the 30 for 30 ESPN episode on Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, and if you've seen him in the paper recently, you would see that he, he might have a problem because he, as Mike said in a couple of episodes ago on this podcast, he looks kind of frail. And when Daryl Strawberry came out and said he's worried about Dwight Gooden because he didn't show up to a function with him, Keep in mind, he didn't show up to the World Series Parade in 86 because he was busy doing whatever whatever he does off the field, drugs. And it, it just makes you worry about a guy who you saw at the top of his career at one point, and now he's just kind of a shell of himself. And even when he did that ESPN 30 for 30 episode, episode interview, he looked kind of shaky, and he didn't really say that he was over his drug addiction or habit. He said, if I do what I did today, I'll be clean tomorrow. But that doesn't that sounds like a day-to-day thing. It doesn't sound like a long-term plan or solution to his issue. Again, he seems day-to-day, so I I, I got a sire with Dallas Strawberry on this. It is something to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, when these guys retire, we don't we don't see or hear much for them unless they go into, you know, being a broadcaster or an analyst of some sort. So, you know, my last great memory of, of Dwight Gooden was almost back in like nineteen ninety six when he pitched the perfect game with the Yankees and you know, he was carried off the field and it was such a momentous occasion. And then, you know, we found out what happened, you know, transpired in the in the years since that. And uh the first time I saw the the documentary I was like, Oh wow, like my goodness, what what happened to this guy? You, you can tell there's something you know there's something very wrong there's just there's nothing in his eyes he's you know he's a shell of his former self and you know obviously it looks like uh strawberry has got his life together you know he's he's doing saying all the right things doing all the right things he looks healthy uh so it, it really is a shame you know we don't want to we don't want to think that you know if he doesn't get it cleaned up that you know, the only thing next is death, but unfortunately, that's the tell of the tale. I mean, he needs to, and that, and I give, I give credit, credit is due. Strawberry is that's what he's basically trying to say is, you know, if you don't get better, you're going to die, and is is that something you want? Now, you know, maybe Dwight doesn't appreciate that, getting his, his you know, getting blasted out on, on on the media. I can understand that too, to a certain extent, but. It, after a while, how do you get through to somebody, especially if they don't think they have a problem, which is what you're right, Mo, is what kind of you get the feeling from that documentary. But, man, uh, it's, it's, it's really is heartbreaking. You know, I, I like the fact and I, it was great that the Yankees, you know, the second team that that Doc pitched for, the Yankees came out and said, we will pay for Doc Gooden's drug rehab. I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, it's a, that's a classy thing to do, classy organization. And I'm not just saying that, you know – Everybody should be willing to help a guy because he does have a problem. You don't want to just push people off to the side, and then when they they do die, you say, "Well, you know, we tried." Well, no, you got to do more than try. You really got to make it happen. So, you know, hopefully, there's somebody around him that can that can steer him in the right direction because you don't want to see you know a waste of a life. He's still a young man. I mean, you know, there's he still has stuff to offer, whether it's in baseball or life in general. He he was still a man of great, you know ability at one time and if he can you know portray that in a new light to a new generation he can really pass on some some great knowledge that again it's easy for the pitfalls of young professional athletes with a whole lot of money to do dumb things so if that's his motivation and that is something that he can pass on then i hope he gets better and he does that otherwise like i said last time 
that we're going to turn on the, the news or we're going to open a web page and we're going to see that Doc Gooden has passed away. And it's just a waste. It really is. The sad part is he's, he's only 51 years old, has a birthday in November, and if he turns himself around, he could be the biggest inspiration for people who are knee-deep in addiction. Yeah. Think about it. He can go from a bad story to a great story. And I know he was doing speeches and he was speaking out to, to Met fans after his career was over, but can you imagine the influence he can have on young people, old people, all people who deal with addiction at any stage in their life, whether they're pulling themselves out of it, or they're, they're, again, knee-deep into it. Now, it appears that he shunned Strawberry after Strawberry put him out there in the media. And, again, that's part of the pushback of being in denial. But you would hold someone around him as an intervention that says, hey, it wasn't to attack you. Strawberry just wants to help you. He's just trying to ring the alarm for you because a lot of times we, we go through things or we do things and we don't see it, but other people on the outside do. So hopefully he gets his life straight. We hope that we don't get any bad news this year or in the near future, and I hope Dwight Gooden finally gets clean and he has a long-term solution and not a day-to-day like program where he's like, okay, if I do it right today, then I'm okay tomorrow. No, we need Dwight to have it where he's saying, okay, I'm fine. I'm, you know, sometimes you never really get over it, but you don't want it to be like here today, gone tomorrow, basically. Yeah. So, okay. good luck to Dwight Gooden in his fight. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's switch up gears, make a little bit lighter of a tone. Let's let's put a bow on the Olympics. And um, we turned Mo. Mo is now a fan of the Summer Olympics. He was a hater beforehand, and now he's the uh, waving the Olympic IOC flag proudly up in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, uh, loving life. And I'm sure he was glued to the TV when the Brazilian men's national soccer team did. The impossible, and I say that because they never have won a gold medal in the in the sport that they're known for, which is soccer, not men's volleyball. Although that is the number two sport in all of Brazil, and they actually did win that as well. So Brazil did pretty amazing. Uh, they beat Germany five uh, four in penalty kicks to earn the nation's first soccer gold medal ever in front of their hometown crowd and it's you know it's it's a great accomplishment uh gonna put a little bit of a of a dull moment on it for you brazilian fans everybody in the world pretty much sent their b squad uh because brazil obviously they knew this was in their hometown they 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 knew that they they wanted to win this but everybody else germany included just got done playing in the, the, the you know the uefa champions uh you know the european league that was more important that's more of a higher echelon of soccer to them and brazil flat out came out and said we didn't send our best team to the copa america which also finished you know a little bit what maybe a month month and a half ago if that so they weren't concerned that they got blown out in the copa america they did fire their coach because they wanted to do what they did which is win the gold so good for them proud of the brazilians because they're all over here in orlando having a good time at disney world um but i hate penalty kicks mo hate it with a passion because because it takes it just takes all the drama out of the game uh you know maybe part of it is because italy lost to germany in uh in the in the champions uh which was you know a month a month before in the euro league they lost that, so that was kind of disappointing to me. But you play, you play. What is it like? A hundred and thirty minutes, and and you can't score a goal, or you're deadlocked in a tie. I say continue to play, give them more substitutes, play the game the way it's supposed to play. When you go to a penalty kick in such a high profile game, it just kind of dilutes it. It's almost like, and you see it by the time overtime starts in these big matches, the teams are waiting to get 
two penalty kicks because they're exhausted. They got nothing left, and they don't want you know they basically are are slugging it up and down the pitch. It's a huge field. These guys are great athletes, super endurance, but it just ah man, it just kind of it kind of makes you look at the whole first ninety minutes of the game and be like, meh. All right, well that was for nothing because now we're gonna go to penalty kicks, and anybody can win on penalty kicks because if you know soccer, it's you got a 50-50 chance of stopping the goal. I forgot you know stopping the ball if you dive the right way and it is the, the goalies have an idea of where the ball is going to go so if they dive where they think the ball is going to go they stay make a stop usually the only time a player misses a, a, a shot is when he kicks it either wide or or let or up high over the net because you know it is a lot of pressure it's a pressure pressurized situation but look at Neymar Neymar's you know the best player on the Brazilian national team scored the one goal in regulation and scored the the winning goal in in uh, in the penalty kicks so just for me I would rather see and I know a lot of soccer players feel the same I would rather see play out the game until you know either everybody passes out on the field from exhaustion or we get a winner just because you know it's kind of anticlimactic at least doing it the way it is now I think Neymar stole Steph Curry's juice because if you remember during the <laughs> NBA Finals, Neymar was uh, took a photo with Steph Curry in the back, and the Warriors didn't win. He goes and he gets a gold medal for the first time for Brazil. So yes. just just point that out. So you have a beef with penalty kicks. Do you also did you also feel the same way about the NHL and their shootout? Yeah, yeah, same same exact thing. Like the game is supposed to be played pre penalty kicks or pre shootout like play the game that's you know there there's a time limit there's 90 minutes in, in soccer uh, and i get then and then there's two 15 minute halves for for overtime just continue to play the game the first team that scores scores like somebody's going to eventually score we're not gonna we're not gonna be playing this game a week and a half after it started like somebody and that's that's what it's about it's about endurance it's about continuing to put up the fight and i just feel like halting the game and making it a one-on-one situation while it may be fun to watch on tv it's just like oh it just kind of defeated the whole purpose we might as well have just started the game with penalty kicks and and what when we wasted you know our entire lives of the 90 minutes and then the the 30 minute overtime period i guess you would equate it to ending an nba game with a three-point shootout or yeah game with a with a field goal kicking contest or a home run derby and mlb i, I get your point so i no beast if you if you want to be like the guy that says like the old guy get off my lawn type on this topic that's fine i i totally agree with you on this but we're going to transition into women's soccer uh hope solo suspended six months for her comment basically she called the swedish women's soccer team a bunch of cowards basically you lost to some cowards yeah what and when i saw that when i saw that i was kind of like whoa you know that's not the that's not the type of message we want to put out there as Americans, especially in a patriotic event. You want to respect your opponent, and I get all of that. But I kind of felt maybe six months suspension was a little bit too much. You know, I, I'm not giving again, I'm not giving sympathy to Hope Solo, but six months is a is a long time. Well, I mean, it is in in the calendar year, but as far as soccer is concerned, the women's national team, I'm not really sure when the next time they play, but there's no major tournaments coming up anytime soon. So I kind of equate it to that whole starting pitcher that gets suspended for seven days and all he does is miss one start. It's like, you know, tell me, tell me I have to miss like uh, six matches. Okay. Tell me I'm going to miss six matches and then I'm going to be really upset. But six months um okay i'm gonna chill at home she she can still play in her professional league but she's not gonna play for the national team so big deal there's no tournaments going on again it's it's a slap on the wrist she she spoke stupidly i mean it really made no sense to anything that she said cowards you you just lost and Mm -hmm. again they did lose how 
penalty kicks. Hate penalty kicks. So I um, not the thing to say. You can say the better team didn't lose today. Okay, that's fine. I can agree to that to a certain extent. But name calling, like we're gonna resort to name calling. Are you are you a grown up? Like are you trying to inspire little girls and and you know girls in high school, college that want to be professional soccer players? How again? Be be a role model. Don't be don't be stupid. I mean, this is the same woman that was arrested for uh, beating her ex husband, or I think he might still be her husband, uh, Jeremy Stevens, I believe is his name. He played he was a tight end for the Bucks and for the Seahawks. So. So she's got a lot of things to walk to, to to work through. Maybe Dr. Drew or you know Dr. Phil should give her a call. But um, yeah, very disappointing. But the six six months, not that big a deal. I, I equated to Ryan Lockett because it's kind of like it, you expect something like this from Hope Solo. You just you just ran off part of her rap sheet, and it's it's like okay, I didn't I would if someone had said this off the women's national soccer team, it would be Hope Solo. Yeah, so sure. but I, what I will say is that can you imagine? If Carmelo Anthony has said something like this, if the U.S. team lost to Spain or Serbia, yeah, no, you know, no. I think the outrage would be a lot bigger. I think people don't talk about it because it's women's soccer and it's not as big as the NBA, of course, so it's going to get less traction. But it's not, again, I, like I said, it's not the it's not the message we want to put out there as as a country. And again, she doesn't represent everyone in our in our country, but at that moment on the women's soccer team, she she did represent the U.S. and she's got to watch what she says. Yes, it's just words. But you, you may have turned the title. I mean, maybe she did deserve the six months if, she, if it means that she's not miss, missing a lot of time. I don't know exactly how much time it's missing, but apparently she's not eligible to play for that team until February 2017, which obviously is six months. But, again, I, I don't think it's going to stop here with Hope Solo. She, she is who she is, and she's going to continue to be in the news for some negative things. It's too bad that women's soccer doesn't get the positive publicity as much as Hope Solo does on the negative side. But... Ryan Lochte has is, is been in the news, and if a continuation from last podcast episode, he's actually on the upswing. Uh, he's going to be on Dancing with the Stars in their next season, and he scored an endorsement with Pine Brothers Cough Drops. Now, you tell me, if you go to another country and basically, I guess, vandalize or you know defame their property, and you get the country in an uproar and you lie on their law enforcement, and then you come back home, and then the Americans want to give you uh, an endorsement and a spot on a, on a popular TV show. What type of message are we really sending here? Like, he's, he was in hot water, and we, he comes back and gets rewarded. Well, we're sending the Kardashian message that you can be stupid and you can do things to defame your country to a certain extent, and Hollywood will still come a calling because people will tune in to watch a knucklehead be ridiculous on national tv it it's it's stupid and it might as well get hope solo too we might as well just make this the all knucklehead dancing with the stars edition i mean who who else can we call there's plenty there's plenty of joey bosa you're bored football players do do really well on this show i mean are there any nascar drivers maybe tony stewart anybody in major league baseball cespedes your season's almost over my man why don't you come and hang out with us like really Really? Like, why do, why is this is part of the reason I moved out of Los Angeles? Because we reward stupid people to make more money. Like, how is that okay? How does that signal, like, Kardashians are worth $100 billion because of the dumbest show on TV. Lamar Odom has a real problem, but we're more interested in Kim K's butt than getting a man help. We're more worried on the Yeezys that are being worn by Kanye than, you know, the stupid things that he says about people in celebrity media. Like, 
come on, man. Like, get it together. Like, I am so, sometimes I'm so ashamed of the things that go on in the city of Los Angeles that it makes me cringe. You know, and it goes back to the Lochte thing and, and the Hope Solo. You are representing your the red, white, and blue. You are representing your country. Man, put some pride on yourself. Put some respect in your mouth on my name, the U.S. of A. Like, don't be ignorant. I just don't get it. And you know what? I'm, it's not It's not even Lochte's fault because he's got to make money. He's got to get a job. But I blame the people at ABC and the people that are, are more money hungry because of the ratings that they're going to put this knucklehead who's from Florida, who's also half Hispanic, and I, I read a whole thing on how white privilege. Guys, figure out exactly what a person is before you're going to start saying throwing race around again. It's it's again. If you're gonna go back to resort to that, realize who you're talking about. They're more involved in the bottom line than they are about putting what should be on TV, which is you know people of uh, like you know any one of the women from the the gymnastics or Katie Ledecky or Michael Phelps. We're more worried about oh, let's tune in to see what color hair Ryan Lochte has today. Here we have it. I gotta I gotta spam my boy Mike on that. The gloves are off on that one, but. Uh... Man. I mean, you're absolutely right, and this is why people like Donald Trump can yeah. run a presidential camp, a successful presidential campaign, all the way to the election day. Again, I'm not taking political stances here, but when you have a, a, a media or, a, I guess, a country or you know, just people out there who are more concerned with the hoopla and with the negative than the good, the good stories and the positive things, this is what you have. You have Ryan Lochte causing an uproar and coming back getting an endorsement, and again, getting a spot on Dancing with the Stars. Meanwhile, some kid out there maybe wants to be a dancer, can't get on the show, working their heart out. Can't get on the show because person's not in the media, person's not doing stupid things in the media, and, and Ryan Lochte is, he could be lucky and go out there and say, hey, I can do what I want. So now this doesn't, this basically, to me, it emboldens him to say, okay, I can get away with pretty much anything yep. outside of murder or committing a, a crime, and, and maybe I, I may get a light sentence on that. But if you're, if you're famous... You know, you, maybe you can skate certain things and come back and even get rewarded. And I think that's, again, it's, it's the wrong message to put out there. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, let, let's coin a phrase, celebrity privilege, because that's what it's all about. If you if you can make someone money, you can get away with a lot of stupidity. I, and people will applaud you for it and continue to make more money off of you because that's at the end of the day, that's capitalism. It is what it is. We love it. People will watch trash TV and... Uh, tune in in September for Dancing with the Morons. Yeah, pretty basically. But um, let, let's talk about some positive that came from the Olympics before Mike gets heated. Um, Carmelo Anthony won his third gold medal. And if you follow Carmelo Anthony's Olympic career, uh, the U.S. won the bronze in 2004. They lost to Argentina, then beat Lithuania for the, for the bronze medal. They won in 2008, 2012, and 2016. After the game, Carmelo Anthony had to hold back tears, basically, and said basically his Olympic career is over and he's done. But I like the fact that he stayed on message about just basically having unity. He didn't he didn't pick sides. He didn't go, I, I hate the cops, or he didn't go, you know, the whole black power thing. But he said, let's just be unified. He had a message. He went out there. He, he played ball in the favelas in, in Brazil and had fun with impoverished, impoverished kids. And he showed that he really cares about people who are outside the celebrity picture. And we just talked about people who just care about celebrities. And you talked about celebrity 
privilege. And this is Carmelo basically giving back and saying, I care about people outside of the mainstream media. I care about the regular kids who are struggling or don't have a basketball court or don't have a means to play the game. And I'm out here playing it for, for millions of dollars. And I think it was a good showing as a leader and as a person who distinguished, distinguished himself from every other basketball player out there to have to be the first UN's men's basketball player to have three gold medals. So for the first time, this we could not criticize Carmelo Anthony for anything. Not for having any championships, not for his three-point celebration, not for being selfish or a leader. He went out there and he fulfilled something that I maybe someone down the line will probably tie his third third gold medal record or something like that. But right now, he's in a vicinity of his own. And I say big congratulations to Carmelo Anthony. He was recently spotted going to the store in a white robe. Yeah, That's what? fine. Yeah. You have gold medals and you're, and you're with Lala. You can do whatever you want at that point once you come back to the States. As long as you're doing things stupid, go to the store in a, in a white robe, fine. Gold trimming with a fitted hat. I, I don't care. It's Carmelo Anthony. And he, he, put his all for, he put his all on the line for his country in those years when he served, well, not served, but when he played the game overseas. Congratulations to him. I like what his wife said, and it was overheard by media. She said, "Oh, wearing a white robe. You didn't think you, you didn't think that one through, right? You thought that was going to be okay. So at least she's keeping him in check to a certain extent." Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was about, but did the, he he did all he could for the team. He he, he was a he was a captain. He was a leader when everybody thought this team didn't have a leader because everybody likes to com- always doubt Carmelo Anthony because he hasn't you know hasn't gone deep into the the playoffs. He's he was look. He's got a three gold medals. He's got an NCAA championship. He's a winner. Maybe maybe not to the certain extent that you like. Uh, as far as you like your NBA players to be NBA NBA champions, it, not everybody can get one. Uh, even Jim Beheim, for whatever reason, his college coach, who was an assistant under Coach K, said Carmelo's not going to win a NBA title in his in his lifetime. So I don't know if that's a motivational tool or Jim Beheim is angry with Carmelo. I don't know why he would come out and say that. I hope it's the first. I hope it's the fact that he's motivating his man because he knows Carmelo probably better than anyone in the NBA. Uh, But yeah, good for you, Carmelo. Uh, You know what? It's nice to just prove people wrong once in a while. And I really, I really do think, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Knicks fan, I really think that he, this is going to help him this coming season. Much like Kevin Durant said, going to this and winning, winning this gold medal kind of rejuvenated him and made him feel good about himself after all the bashing he got from, for signing with Golden State. I think it's going to give Carmelo you know, a step up on the competition uh, once we get underway here in about two months in the NBA season. And it's going to you know, rally, rally the troops and get everybody behind him and he's, he's confident. Look, he won a gold medal. He feels like he can take on the world. Regardless if he does or not, if you translate to the NBA, right now he's a winner, so you can't take that away from him. I mean, what does that say about our media when Kevin Durant says, when I go overseas and play, it takes me away from what I went through in America when I when I when all I did was sign with a new team. Like, yeah. let's just put that in perspective. Like, all the guy did was sign with a new team, and he needed an escape. Like, as you said in Recently, when it happened, when he decided to go Golden State, he stayed in his bed or in his room or whatever for a while and didn't come out because of all the, the media hoopla. And I say, people, like, this whole social media thing is just way out of hand, just way out of hand. When, when the Mike and Mo show gets signed to a huge deal, I'm going to walk out to the corner store in Brooklyn in a purple robe <laughs> with gold trimmings. And I'm not going to care who says what. They can take all the pictures they want of me, put it on TMZ. I don't care. I'm just going to be happy for me. And I think athletes... 
with the collegiate or professional just need to be happy with what they're doing. If you're happy in your field, whatever it is, playing a sport for whatever reason, just be happy. Don't listen to the social media trolls because there's a ton of miserable people out there. And as we all know, the old saying goes, misery loves company. So just shut it out. Put on your gold robe, have a bubble bath, have a wine bath, <laughs> do something enjoyable with your time, eat some cookies, have some ice cream, and enjoy life. Yeah, you know, if you're not hurting anybody at the end of the day, just do you. You know, that that's really what the moral, moral of the story is. Do you, be happy, be safe. And, uh, you know, try not to let the outside influences influence because that's that's what they want to do. You know, speaking to a young writer the other day and he said, man, I just can't get a break. Every article I write, people respond negatively about. And I said, well, do, why do you read the contents, you know, the comments? And he said, oh, I just do. You know, and that's 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 people, you know, some people just can't get away from it. They want, you know, it. it whether you use it as a, a motivational tool, it, it still churns you up inside. It, it burns you a little bit, especially when people, you know, may not even read the article or, or may not know the, the facts of the story, and they just immediately verbal diarrhea, throw out exactly what they feel without a filter, and they and it's really they're, they're being they're making an ass of themselves, but they don't care. So they're gonna let you know how they feel, and then they're waiting for you to respond. So that's the thing. You can't feed into it. And I, that's it's hard not to because that's just us as human beings. We don't want to be put in a corner. We don't want to be spoken poorly of, especially when it's not deserved. But some people get off on it and, and there's no there's no rhyme or reason. But you know what? Just do you as long as you're not doing anything uh, against the law, against the rules, the way it should be, then uh, be happy, be merry. And, you know, it, hopefully that will translate. And one day we can all get on the same page. I, you know what? I declare September 12th, random day in September, robe day. Everyone just go out to the store, go wherever you're going, in a robe, and not care what anybody else thinks. It'll help your, your mental psyche. It'll help you not care about what people think. Just go outside in a robe. Are we just, talking like terry cloth? Because terry cloth doesn't like, it doesn't get me like dry. The water just lays on me. I don't know about that. Oh, God. Mike, you, you, you can be excused since you have right, issues you. over there because right. I understand you live in a swamp anyway. But um, so hot right now. Everyone else outside of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> outside of your purple robe, September 12th, we're going to have it. Purple robe day or whatever robe you got. Just go out and not care. Do you, as Mike said. But uh, we're going to have a first in the wrap-up. We're actually going to talk WWE wrestling. <laughs> we're also going to talk about The Rock and movies. That's up next. The wrap up. So being the versatile person that I am, and being the ignorant person that Mike is, he, he doesn't understand what's going on between The Rock and Vin Diesel. Apparently The Rock came out and called out Vin Diesel or his co-actors from Fast 8 and called them candy asses. Yep. But I'm here to tell you that it was not real. It's practic it's basically a promo. It's basically a WWE promo for WrestleMania 33, which will be in Orlando, and I'm sure Mike yeah. will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. So let me just educate the ignorant really quickly, okay? I'm just gonna give you a quick rundown of The Rock's WWE resume. Please. He hosted WrestleMania 27 in 2011. He main evented WrestleMania 28 with John Cena in 2012. He won the WWE World Title in 2013. He had an opening segment in WrestleMania 30 with Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2014. He was in the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania 31 with Ronda Rousey in 2015. He was a participant in the Royal Rumble, actually wrestling, or should I say, performing. 
performing because it's not really wrestling, it's performing. And then he performed at WrestleMania 32 against the Wyatt family in 2016. So what does that tell you? Every year for the past seven or more years, six or more years, he's been a part of WrestleMania. So when he calls out Vin Diesel out of the blue, you, you have to understand that this is a work for WrestleMania 33. Maybe it's a match between him and Vin Diesel, if Vin Diesel is okay with that. Maybe it's a promo, maybe it's a segment, whatever it may be. You have to understand, even though The Rock is an actor, quote-unquote, he still has ties to the WWE, and he still gives back to the company that basically started his, his superstardom. So whenever he gets the chance, he gives back to the company by either making an appearance or appearing in a match, and I, and I see that happening in 2017 in Mike's hometown of Orlando. And I know Mike loves The Rock, mm-hmm. probably loves Vin Diesel, yeah. loves his city and town of Orlando, so I'm pretty sure, again, Mike will be there front and center Tune into WrestleMania. Mike will be there. If you but- smell what The Rock is cooking, <laughs> yes, I have, I have, I have been a fan of The Rock. I have gone to many a WW when it was F experience uh, back when I was in high school and especially as a little kid. I had, I don't, I don't really watch it anymore. But, but if The Rock is gonna go off against Vin Diesel, I'll be there for that. That will be dope. So you know, when this first hit the newswire, a couple was it, a couple weeks ago. I thought it was kind of weird because it's not like The Rock. You know, he's been in. Obviously, he's been a celebrity now for quite some time. He's not like, uh, not like him to just throw people kind of under the bus or in the media, uh, in the media's way. And especially when you, you know, you know that both of these guys are, are producers on the movie, uh, on the Fast and Furious franchise now. And it's a ever-growing franchise. They've, they're, I guess they're getting wrapped up on Fast and Furious 8 right now, which is taking place in New York. Shalise Theron is going to be the, uh, the main baddie. Oh man, it's going to be good. I can't wait. But, uh, yeah, you know what? If, if this ties into WrestleMania, it'll be awesome. You know, it's just, that's the cool thing about the WWE is that it is a universe, that it ties into so many other different aspects of sport and motion picture. And, you know, who would, like, you know, whoever comes up with these ideas and these storylines, they're brilliant because it gets people interested. I mean, like me, I, you know, necessarily would watch the WWE anymore. But, you know, if I'm going to get to see Vin Diesel and The Rock 2 of Hollywood's you know, highest grossing actors. Uh, the Rock, you know, is, is in everything these days. I watch Ballers because of him, and Vin Diesel just is coming out with Triple X too. When and that's going to be awesome, then I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I mean, that's again, people talk about it. People want to know more. It's just a good business move, and that's why this WWE will be around a long time, probably longer than UFC. So you know, think about that. Yeah, I mean, The Rock. It just came out in Forbes that he was the, he was the highest paid actor in 2016 at 64.5 yeah. million. So yeah. he's gonna he's gonna have his push, and you know he's tied with Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon loves money, obviously. So he's gonna try to cash in on that. But what I will say about the WWE is, if you realize the transition that's going on, WWE is now part of ESPN. That's not by accident. They're now all over Bleach Report. That's not by accident. The WWE, even though it's not a sport. It is a reality show. It's just like when you watch Game of Thrones or you watch Empire or whatever you, or whatever reality show you like to watch. None of it is... It's all... I shouldn't say real because the injuries that happen in WWE are real. The The outcome of these quote-unquote matches are obviously scripted and fake. people will say fake. But these are actually real... I, I don't want to call them athletes, but they're stunt performers... And if you look at the trend of where it's going, WWE is actually increasing in popularity. I mean, ESPN just released their WWE rankings like a couple of days ago. When is the last time you've seen a ranking for yeah. a reality show? Sure. Think about that. So 
it's growing, and now they, they obviously they're pulling the rock back into it as he's been involved the last six, seven years. So it's a smart move on Vince McMahon's part. As Mike said, it'll draw people to the seats because Mike just told you he hasn't been to an event probably in, in decades, and now he'll he'd probably go to see the rock and Vin Diesel. So they're pulling not only WWE fans into the seats, but non-wrestling or WWE fans into the seats, which is what they want. It's all about cash. Yeah, I mean, they've done this. They did this most recently with, uh, if anybody watches Arrow on CW, which is a great show, by the way, Stephen Mel, the, the the lead actor who plays Oliver Queen, they got him into it. And he's, uh, you know, of Canadian descent. So up in Canada, they, they're expanding their borders. They're going global here. So everybody, they're, they're, they're kind of picking and choosing where they want to, you know, draw their audience in. It's awesome. I mean, you know, next they'll get, you know, uh, a famous actor, Antonio Banderas from Mexico or somebody from Czechoslovakia. I mean, it's they're, they're just really smart that the way they go about with their business plan. And and that's what, again, the end of the day, sports is really a business. It's entertainment for us because we get to watch and talk it, talk about it. But it's still a business. And, and you've got to, you, again, you got to give credit when credit is due with the people that know what they're doing with their business. I mean, UFC just sold for like four billion dollars so you know whether you like it or you don't uh there do there they are people that want to spend enough money to to take you know take the control and 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 build upon the success that it's already had so you know it's awesome it's great to see you know and and you know if it's a sport it's gonna have people involved and people are gonna be uh, animated and and ready to ready to throw down over it to a certain extent I mean, so if you see Mikey Moe on WrestleMania 40 in a main event match, you know we finally made it. If Vince McMahon is like, hey, we need Mikey Moe as the main event, The Rock can't do it anymore, Vin Diesel's too old, <laughs> we need we need a new face, we need, we need a new face of the company in the main events at our biggest event, we need Mikey Moe as the main event, I, I'm here, Vince McMahon, Kobe, Vince... Call us, we're here. Do we're, it. We're on, up, we're on the upswing. We're coming up. Absolutely. And uh, just so you guys know, a uh, little breaking news with the Mets. They're going to skip Jacob DeGrom's next start so that he can work on his mechanics. He's allowed 13 runs and 25 hits in his last two starts. So not good news for the Mets. Um, they've got a guy named Luis Lugo they brought up from the minors to pitch. Uh, it's a debacle. They need to trade. Anything that they can before the uh, before the, the deadline comes through that you can no longer trade anybody to be on the postseason roster, which is the last day of this month, because the Mets, unfortunately, need to need a rebuild. I mean, just like the Yankees traded a lot of their stars that were going to be free agents, uh, you know, and now look at the look at the upswing they're on. Uh, it, that would be smart because they it's just not a good look. The pitching's hurt. It's not what it was last year. And that team is built for on pitching, pitching and defense. And right now they don't have either. So. I didn't want to depress you, Mo, but I wanted to give you that info. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much depressing. I mean, the writing is on the wall. I'm not really high on the Mets climbing back into it and, and going on a nine-game win streak like the Royals. Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't say it's over. But they're they're trying. I don't. I think it's gonna be off or not at the end of the day once the once the regular season is over. But I have, I have a quick question for you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I'm an editor for Empire Writes Back, and sure. a person by the name of Steve Contursi wrote a pretty convincing article and he said basically the Yankees should call up Gleyber Torres as well now a lot of people now he did write this in his article saying that typically you want to protect your young talents you don't want to bring them up too quickly it, it could ruin them I guess uh, psychologically but he made the argument that they should bring him up along with Aaron Judge and, and Gary Sanchez who, who's playing well and I know you're you're Mr. Yankee you're the buster only of that clubhouse mm-hmm. what, what is your only? opinion on that 
Um, well, look, they're five and a half games out of first, a uh, couple games closer in the wild card. Unfortunately, Glaber's 19 years old, uh, so and he's not on the 40-man roster, meaning that if they put, if they did bring him up when the rosters expand in a couple days, they would have to basically DFA or release somebody that is on the 40-man roster. So that's that's difficult. The other thing is that he's 19 years old. Uh, and they're actually trying to make him a second baseman, which, you know, is not his natural position. He's a shortstop. But the issue is, is that the Yankees currently have Didi Gregorius, who is, you know, uh, pretty much leading most of the offensive categories for the Yankees this season, has had a great year, a little bit of a breakout season, and he's only 26. Uh, they're trying to make Labor a second baseman uh, because they also have Jorge Mateo, who is the Yankees' number one prospect, or was at least before they acquired Clint Frazier from the Indians. Uh, they got Jorge Mateo, who is a shortstop by trade. So they have, right now what the Yankees are doing is they have a plethora of trade chips. So, you know, I don't know when, but eventually they're going to have to start dispersing some of these chips because they need pitching. Uh, they got Chance Adams in the minors, who was a was a draft pick last year. He's shooting up, uh, looking great. But after that, it gets a little dicey. Uh, James Caprillion, who was their first round pick last year, has had arm trouble. He's been shut down. So what the Yankees are going to need to do is they're going to need to tra- trade some of these prospects when when and if everybody is ready to go hopefully next year because the offense obviously look at Gary Sanchez he's lighting the world on fire he's got nine home runs and, and you know Aaron Judge looks like the real deal and you know Tyler Austin looks okay and they've got so many other guys that the Yankees need the pitching to be ready at the same time that the hitting is ready to go so as far as bringing Glaber, Glaber Torres up I don't think it's the right move because again 19 uh, has, hasn't really played much minor league ball, about a season and a half. He's not going to play his natural position. He needs to learn the nuances of second base. Yes, he can hit minor league pitching. Can he hit major league pitching? I don't know. Gary Sanchez is, but Gary Sanchez is 23. He's been around. He's got a lot of minor league at-bats. Look at Aaron Judge. He's batting like 240, and he was a monster in the minor leagues. Austin's batting like a buck 88, and he also was a monster in the minor leagues. So, again, it's just undue pressure. Um, you don't need to. Look, the Yankees right now think that they actually can contend. Joe Girardi has, has been fast, stead in that fast the entire way, thinking that these Yankees could contend. That's why he didn't want to play A-Rod when that whole debacle was going on. So right now they are in the the, the the you know the thick of it. If they get another positive game from Luis Sessa tonight, who knows? We could go to four and a half out of the division. They have to sweep the Baltimore Orioles because the Orioles are you know that's one of their main competitions in the AL East. So as far as Gleyber Torres, I'm excited about it. Obviously, getting him for Chapman was a good deal. It was a smart thing to to add to the now what the Yankees could possibly depending on who you ask, could have the number one or two uh, farm system in all of baseball. But no, I have to gracefully disagree with your writer uh, and just there's just no reason why why push the why push the panic button because you could stunt this kid's growth and you could do so much more harm than good at 19 years old like yes he could be Manny Machado he could be the next coming uh of Alex Rodriguez but where are we going to play him like right now Ronald Torres is is playing a good third base Chase Headley can't even get back in the lineup Starling Castro was lighting it up at second base because we know that he's the second half player uh DH is pretty much Brian McCann because Gary Sanchez is now the everyday catcher. So there's just, there's no room. And, you know, if, if the Yankees are completely out of it and we're like 12 games out of first, fine. You know what? Maybe bring him up. But again, that whole 40-man roster thing plays a part because the Yankees would have to 
designate someone for assignment, which basically makes them eligible for another team to pick them up. And, you know, I don't think Labor is going to be up next year either. I don't think we're going to see Torres till 2018, which is when I really think the Yankees are going to contend. Uh, who knows? Maybe next year, maybe 2017, because who would have expected the Yankees to be even this close right now after making all those great trades at the deadline? So don't get excited until 2018 about this team. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they contend next year. And at this rate, if they contend this year, uh, they're just they're playing with house money at this point because anything they do from here on out was, was not expected. See, that, and that's how you disagree with a writer. Mike didn't troll him. He didn't get nope. on his article and call him an idiot or a bum or or garbage writer. Of course not. He just politely, you know, disagree with him. And and that's that's the one oh one for for communicating with writers on when you're if you're a commenter on these articles. That's the that's the one oh one for communicating with them and how to disagree without being disrespectful. So, thank you for that one, Mike, for being Buster only hey. in a in a polite commenter verbally on the show to, to Steve, even though you probably think he's wrong. No, no, it's, 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 look, it's an opinion, and that's the thing people need to remember is as writers, if, unless it's a fact-based piece or I'm reporting on the news, everything is an opinion piece. So if you call someone's opinion dumb, then you're dumb because everybody has an opinion, and, you know, you how do you discredit that? Now, if you're just going to read the headline and, and it says, Glaber Torres should be a Yankee this year, for someone to write in my Facebook comments, that's stupid, you're an idiot, well... Okay, that's your opinion too. So I guess you know I can disagree with it. But uh, if again, if you disagree with it and you actually want to put the time in to read the story and give me feedback as to why, then I will actually appreciate that. But no, no, I, I can't just take somebody at their word uh, over a headline, and neither should you or anybody else reading something. If you really want to have an adult, polite conversation, that's how it's done. Take the time to actually give the person who wrote the article a little bit of credit and a little bit of respect because they took, whether it was an hour or five minutes, however quick they wrote the article, they at least put they put themselves in it to a certain extent. And, you know, they're burying their soul for all the world to, to read. So, you know, just... You know, be kind, rewind, you know, be, be a nice person. You don't, nobody, nobody really cares how exactly, you know, how exactly you think the person is as big of a, a butthead or whatever you want to call him. You know what? If you feel that way, let's keep it to yourself. Just, you know, do it, do like your mom said, you got nothing nice to say. Don't say nothing at all. And that's like me walking into a room and saying, you know what? Chocolate ice cream is the best. And someone says, no, you're dumb. You're stupid. Vanilla <laughs> ice cream is way better. It's like, Dude, dude, whoa. Relax, yeah pump the brakes bro like how did we go from like a to z like whoa real fast <laughs> but again that's just that's the that's the mentality everybody wants to fight everybody you know when you're a keyboard warrior it is what it is you know it's funny uh just a quick partner shot young jock came out i don't know if you are familiar with young jock but he he's an atlanta-based rapper he came out and he was on a box, and basically now he has a perm. Now, Young Jock is African-American, so we already know his natural hair is not like that. And people are having a field day with him on Twitter. I get it. Some of it is lightheartedness, but people, I think people care too much about what other people are doing. I don't know if you remember uh, Baron Davis came out, and he had like a perm in his hair, and people were roasting him for it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, if, if the guy wants to wear a perm, let him wear a perm. I mean, God rest his soul, Prince did all types of stuff with his hair, I'm guessing, and yeah. no one, you know, chimed on him about it. So if young Jock wants a perm, an afro, cornrows, I, I don't know, a, a fade, let him rock it. Whatever he feels like he wants to rock, let him rock it. But it was pretty funny, though. 
you know, it's it's a thing where you know, in, in celebrity media, everybody still thinks, uh, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So they're gonna throw out there what exactly they want, regardless if they get roasted or not. So okay, I mean, I understand that to a certain extent, you've gotta you've gotta brace yourself for for what you what you put out there. You know, and it's funny. It's the same thing. Us as writers, we'll we'll write a we'll write a they call it like a fluff piece where you're just getting news out there, and it's not really much of an opinion. You know, you're quoting sources and you're quoting you know, uh, you know uh, what people are saying in the media as far as oh, this is a quote, here's a quote, blah blah blah. But when you put yourself out there and you show a picture with a perm, or you show up in a purple robe like Mo's gonna do on September twelfth, or you yes. write an opinion piece why Mike Trout. God willing, will be a Yankee. People jump on you and they ride you like sea biscuit because because that's what people want. They, they, they you can just see how they don't really give a crap if you're not yourself, if you're not opinionated, if you're just there reporting the news or being vanilla. They're just gonna kind of walk over you and say, "Man, no big deal." But that and that's the thing. It's such a tightrope that we that you have to walk. Because you want to be expression, you want to have expression. You want to show your passion for something. But the moment you do, you have to brace yourself for for negativity and for people to to not agree with you. So it's that's that's a tough part. Do you do you be you? Do you do what you want and 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 worry about what everybody thinks, or do you just succumb to pressure and and you know keep it fitty on a scale of one to one hundred? So that it's tough. It is tough. I and it's hard. I, being a kid right now, you know, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I was going to say that. Being a kid right now in high school has got to be tough because anything you do between that schedule of 9 and 3 o'clock probably posted on Facebook some group where people are... And this is why Ed, this is why bullying is, is huge. Yeah. I, and I remember reading a story where three Staten Island kids in the span of, I think, a week or so committed suicide, which Horrible. is really sad. Yeah. But it, it shows you how much pressure social media, social media has on our society. I mean, recently... I, the um the actor who was on SNL and I forgot her her name slipped my memory but someone leaked her news oh, online Leslie Jones yeah yes Leslie Jones there you go and and it, it's horrifying to know that if you have a disagreement with somebody or if you go back and forth with someone online they can just go into your account your computer whatever and just and try to embarrass you online yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a scary situation. It goes from lighthearted, and she's a comedian. You yeah. know? Everyone knows that she, she's talented and funny. But I watched her skits. And I think yeah. she's very talented. Mm-hmm. But one bad, I guess, exchange with someone online could turn really, really ugly, really fast. And it's just like, come on, people, pump the brakes. Just like he, Mike, Mike said, just pump the brakes a little bit. How do we get from A to Z and back so quickly? Like, yeah. just keep it at a base level. No, and the be- the best thing I can I can leave everyone with is that there are two great buttons to use on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, <laughs> it's unfriend or unfollow, and on Twitter, it's mute. And you will never have to hear from those people again, and they won't even know it. They can continue to 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 sling arrows at you and negative connotations, and it won't mean a damn thing because it won't show up on your timeline. So remember that unfollow and mute because i do it on a daily basis and i feel so much better about myself it's it's just the way of the world you know what why why verbally spar with someone that is probably below your your education level or your intelligence just let them be let them think they win and keep it all moving because you know what there's more important things in the world like going on social media and hooking up with the Mike and Mo show because we are popping uh we got a next week's show is going to be going to be off the hook okay we're going to do something a little different we're going to focus on getting you ready for the NFL season whether it's for your last minute NFL fantasy draft or Maurice Moton who is the black Adam Schefter um although Adam Schefter's in a little bit of a bind with that 
um, you know, uh, yeah, that, that lawsuit going on, so maybe we shouldn't call him that. But there's a lot going on that Mo's going to get you ready. He's going to tell you why your team has a chance or why your team doesn't. He's going to give you some uh, some some prognostication. He's going to, Mo Reese Mountain's going to give you some prognostication. That's my Stephen A. Smith. Uh, so be ready. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun episode. I'm going to tell you that the Mike and Mo versus the world fantasy league football league is just about set the draft is this sunday so i'm going to tell you how i not only dominated the drafts but have already scared mo enough to putting himself on auto draft okay this is going to be <laughs> epic it's going which is totally untrue by the way it's very untrue but it's going to be fun we're going to have a lot to talk about this nfl season if, if you guys don't know maurice moton is the king of the nfl uh if you read his articles on spin zone or empire strike back ton of information better than i've seen on 90 percent of my television uh the other 10 percent is videos of me uh so definitely tune in next week's gonna be fun follow us mike and mo show twitter facebook instagram youtube uh, MySpace, Black Planet. Um, no, wait, the, we're not we're not on that anymore. And but check us out. We love you guys. It's been fun. And of course, uh, Stitcher. Stitcher is our big way of listening to the show now. So download it on your phone, okay? Download it on your iPad, your Kindle, uh, your flip phone, like Adam Luck, who just got a brand new flip phone from I believe it was Motorola. Uh, really weird. Uh, but yeah, do that. Listen on Stitcher, and uh, we're gonna have some new things coming at you next week. So it'll be a fun show as always. And um, I'm just gonna let Mo run rampant, and he's just gonna fill your ear hole with a lot of lot of information. Actually, just pay pay very close attention to the transition. We, as Mike said, we are gonna be on Stitcher. That's very important that you guys make the transition with us. As he also said, our Mike versus Mo versus the World Fantasy League is basically filled. We we have. We're planning for 12 teams, but there's 10 or 12. I will dominate because, as Mike said, I am the king of NFL. So after I win my league <laughs> on September on September 12th, as a, as a as commemoration, as a, as a pre-celebration, I'm going to be out in my purple robe purple with robe. a Fitzpatrick beard and a flip phone, people. That's so if you, if you want to get a quick glimpse of that, my pre-celebration, because my fancy team is going to be flawless, by the way. Mo's you gonna get of that in Brooklyn. You're gonna look like Booker T. Washington with a cell phone in your hand. And that'll be great. It'll be all over TMZ because, as we know in America, any publicity is, is good publicity. Good. And I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just out there taking a stroll. Exactly. I welcome anyone who's in the Brooklyn area. You know, you can take a stroll with me in a row. Right. You can talk on a flip phone. Of course, I'm not gonna have internet on it, so it's no. just strictly text messages, and my message response time will probably be slow. So <laughs> just an FYI on that one. Two G L T E. But that is it for episode 28. Of course, hit us up on all those social media channels. Hit us up on Stitcher. Download the app. Listen. Love it. Share it. Friend it. Request it. All that good stuff. Until next week, I'm Mike Calandrillo. He's Maurice Moon, and have a wonderful week. We'll see you on the flip.